Take your Bible this morning, please. Turn to Matthew 16. Back to Matthew 16 this morning, please. Uh, we continue to make our way through Mas Matthew's gospel, and we're taking our time, Brother Richard, but that's okay. Uh, why don't we stand together, if you're able to, this morning, please. I, wanna, uh, we read, uh, I think we read all these verses last week, but I want to uh, read beginning here in verse 21 down through the end of the chapter once more, uh, and we'll focus on a, a portion of this chapter this morning. Here, Matthew 16, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says, Matthew writes, from, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer, suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, be killed, and be raised up again the third day, praise God. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Jesus turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, uh, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man uh, will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For son of man shall come in the glory of his father with his angels, and then shall he that he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the coming of man. Let me try that again. Till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom, which no doubt is an allusion to the transfiguration, which pictures or foreshadows uh, the millennial kingdom. Let's stop there and pray, please. Father, we thank you so much this morning for... Uh, Lord, our Bibles, for your words. Father, thank you this morning for the privilege to have uh, a wonderful translation of your inspired and preserved words, an accurate translation. Lord, thank you for the privilege to be able to open our Bibles and, and to see that which Christ has said and, uh, and called us to. Lord, we understand this morning that it's one thing to know what he has said. It's another thing to look to you for strength, grace to obey. And Lord, I pray that that be our heart today, not just to know the Bible and what it says, but uh, Lord, to look to you for grace and strength, to take up these words, <clears throat> to apply them to our lives just exactly as you desire uh, for your honor and your glory. Thank you, Lord, that you, you bless us as we do and that you are glorified as we do. Lord, help me now. I most certainly need that. I pray for it. pray that you will work here in our church, in this assembly, in our midst, and in our hearts today. Lord, we love you, and we thank you, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, look with me back here in, in verse 21, please. I believe that's where we began. Uh, Jesus here, obviously, he's, he's uh, foretelling or prophesying his, both his death uh, and his resurrection. Look here in verse 21. He says, uh, Matthew records, from that time uh, forth, 
began Jesus to show unto his, what's the next word there, by the way? He began to show unto whom? His disciples, thank you. We're going to come back to that. Uh, how that he must go unto Jerusalem. And so, uh, as we've said each of the past several weeks, I think we're, we're getting at, to the end of the Lord's Galilean ministry. And he's still up north, but he will be heading south uh, unto Jerusalem and suffer many things. And certainly he would. Uh, arrest and, and beating and, and everything that went along with the crucifixion. Uh, and suffer many things of or from or by uh, the elders, uh, the chief priests and scribes, the Jewish leaders, uh, and be killed uh, and be raised again uh, the third day. Uh, praise God, praise God for a Savior who was willing to endure all of that. It wasn't a surprise to him, Rich, that, that this was going to happen. Of course, he knew uh, in heaven before he came uh, as a man that this was the plan of the Father uh, and that if he was going to come, he was going to have to yield himself, submit himself uh, to the plan of the Father, that he would come and offer his kingdom and, and be rejected, ultimately arrested and killed, but that's not the end. He would, he knew uh, that he would rise again on the third day. Did he? And praise God he did. Uh, praise God he did. He, uh, he went to the cross and, and died for our sins, took all of our sins uh, upon himself. By the way, did he take all of your sins upon himself? Could you even imagine what it would be like to bear the sins of one person, let alone all people of all time, every single one of their sins? Uh, he bore them all upon the cross, and uh, he, he bore the punishment for all the sins of all people uh, of all time. Brother Steve, that's a profound love. I mean, that, that's a profound obedience to God the Father, but what an amazing love. I'm not worthy of that. Lord, Lord, thank you. That is exactly what he did, knowing that that's why he came. Uh, he was killed. That's not the end of the story. As we said, he did rise again on the third day, exactly as he said, uh, proving, uh, proving uh, who he was. And of course, as we've said so many times, proving that God the Father was satisfied by his payment for sin upon the cross. Aren't you glad this morning for a Savior who loved you so much, who loves you so much that he was willing to do that for you and you and you and all of us? It's, it's just extraordinary. Uh, and all that we have to do, Rich, is, is place our faith in him, uh, accept him and place our faith in him for the payment that he made in order for that payment to be paid onto my account. Does it seem too good to be true? Sometimes it feels that way, right? But it is true. It is true. And praise God for the Bible that makes that clear. Uh, praise God for that. Peter uh, struggles with this. <laughs> he, he struggles. Uh, picture Peter who's uh, still wavering at times and uh, struggling to kind of wrap his mind, his, his brain, and probably his heart too around all the things uh, that the Lord has been sharing. Uh, verse 22, Peter, then Peter took him uh, and began to rebuke him. He began to rebuke Christ saying, uh, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be 
uh, unto thee. Uh, Richie couldn't bear the thought that this would happen to uh, his pastor, his Messiah, his Savior. He, under he understood, um, well, I think he failed to understand certain things. Uh, certainly, if he was thinking about uh, prophecies of the cross, Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22 and other passages, uh, and certainly if he was thinking about who Christ is, uh, he, he might have responded differently, but he's struggling with this. Uh, he's struggling with this. And, and uh, isn't, doesn't he at least imply uh, not only that he doesn't want this to happen, but that the Lord, uh, if he is who he says he is, Peter knows who he is, that, that, that he would somehow intervene to prevent that from happening. That the Lord would uh, somehow spare himself from that, uh, that they might not lose him uh, in, in their daily lives. I think this is the idea. Peter is struggling and, and uh, struggling to come to terms with it and certainly desiring that Christ uh, would somehow prevent this. Now, the Lord knows why he's come. He knows why he's come, and uh, he's not pleased uh, at, at Peter's failure to see why he's come, and that uh, Peter's, at least his implied suggestion, uh, that, that he would spare himself. And so uh, he rebukes Peter very sharply, doesn't he? Look again at verse 23. The Bible says, uh, Matthew records, but he uh, the Lord turned and said unto Peter, uh, get thee behind me. What does he call him? He calls him Satan. Uh, that's, that's not good, Brother Garcia. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, you know, we're not, the Bible doesn't teach that Peter is Satan. I don't think the Bible teaches that Satan entered into Peter here, although some may have suggested that. Uh, but, but certainly he's acting more like an enemy of the Lord and the Lord's plan uh, than a friend of the Lord and one who, uh, who, who worked to understand his plan and to accept it. Uh, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense, thou art an offense unto me. Uh, and Lord says this, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, uh, but those that be of men. And listen, that's, that's a challenge that we all face uh, even saved people uh, today, just, just like in Peter's day, uh, we struggle, don't we, uh, to prefer and to desire uh, the Lord's plan for our lives, uh, his intentions and, and his plan uh, and, and his will. We struggle at times uh, to prefer that, to desire that, uh, to choose that rather than what? What we desire. He says, thou savorest not the things that be of God, uh, but those that be of men. Peter just wanted to have his Lord, his, his Savior, his, his pastor, if you will. Uh, he's, he's not thinking like he should about why his Lord, his Master, his Savior is there and what God's plan is. Uh, in the moment, uh, the heat of the moment, he's just desiring what he wants rather than what God's plan is and what God wants. Do we ever struggle with that? Do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever think about that? God, what do you want for my life? We know what we want. Do you know what you want? We know what we want. Uh, we have plans for our life. When I was a young person, Rich, I've, I've given my testimony uh, different times. I knew what I wanted, and, and I, I just ran down that road toward what I want. I was a saved person, but I, I honestly didn't really stop and spend much time thinking about what did God want for my life? What did, how did he want to use me? How did he want me to serve him? Uh, I, I just was not focused on that. It's very easy to be focused on what I want. Do you know what I mean? 
Do you know what I mean? Just not thinking about what God wants in my life. It's very easy. It's very natural just to think about what we want and charge down that road toward it, uh, doing everything we can, investing ourselves in, in getting uh, what we want. I think in this moment, that's, that's kind of where Peter was. He, he, he just wanted what he wanted. Uh, he savoreth not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. What he wanted in this time was just the Lord to be with him. Now, you look at that and say, well, that's not the worst thing uh, that, that Peter might want. And, and certainly that, that would be true, except he's not focused on the big picture of what God desired, what God's plan was, and how God uh, planned uh, to work uh, through Christ uh, for men at this time. Lord, help us just to desire what you want uh, and to see you at work in our lives. Uh, Peter essentially urges the Lord to spare himself from uh, his purpose for coming. Uh, and the Lord responds to him in a way that makes it clear he's focused more on what he desires than what God has planned and what God desires uh, at, his, at, at this time. Now, you look at verse 24, and I really want to focus this morning on verses 24 and 25. We'll, we'll look a bit further than that, but I want to focus uh, on, on these next several verses. Peter has just essentially rebuked the Lord, asking him to spare himself. Really, the implication would be uh, to put himself uh, ahead of, to prefer uh, his own life, uh, his, his own uh, life and, 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 and ministry and, and whatever it is uh, to put himself ahead of the plan of God the Father. And Jesus responds, listen, uh, not only am I going to prefer myself and spare myself from the plan of the Father who sent me, uh, I'm, I'm going to call you to take great care that you not do the same in your own life. He says, I'm not going to spare myself when, when, God the, when, when my Father, God the Son, God the Father, my Father has sent me here for a purpose that involves me going to the cross, and I, I'm not going to intervene and spare myself from that. That's why I've come. Jesus chose to be faithful to the plan of God the Father. And he goes on, Brother Stephen, he says, in addition to that, I am going to call you to be sure that you are making the same decision in your life, not sparing yourself from what God has for you, not, not putting your own interests and your own plans and your own agendas and your own desires ahead of what God has, a plan for your life. Uh, he, he says, verse 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, he said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I'm going to pray again right there and we'll continue forward. Father, thank you. Uh, thank you this morning for uh, this passage. Lord, there's some difficulties here, but uh, there are some, there's some very clear instruction from our Lord and Savior here this morning. Father, I understand uh, Christ could have, uh, he certainly could have uh, chosen to spare himself from the plan uh, for which he was sent. He did not. Lord Father, thank you. Uh, thank you so very much. Lord, I understand this morning that um, Jesus, he rebuked Peter for uh, even the suggestion that Christ put himself before the plan of you, Father. And he goes on and says, 
Not only will, will I not do that, but I, uh, I'll urge you, I instruct you, I command those who would be my disciples to take care to not prefer themselves over you. Lord, I pray this morning that, that we understand that this instruction, this warning, this instruction, these commands that Christ gave to his disciples on that day, they're preserved for us until today because they are for us also. Father, I understand this morning that these, uh, this instruction, these commands from Christ, they're for us and, and they're not easy. They're quite hard, Lord, to receive uh, and to live out practically. Lord, I understand this morning that there's grace from you to do just that, to put aside our own agendas and to take up your plan for each of our lives, ultimately for our church. Lord, to prefer you and your plans and your desires over our own. Lord, thank you there's grace from you to do just that. Uh, help us now, help me now again, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to ask you a question before we continue this morning. Do you believe that the Lord has a plan for your life? Do you believe that he has a plan for your life? Won't take time this morning to kind of go through verses and passages where we could really develop that idea. But, but certainly we can see uh, in the word of God that God has a plan uh, for our lives. Rich, it's, I think it's a, it's a plan that encompasses our entire life. I know that he has knowledge of our entire life from, uh, from conception to birth all the way until our home going to him. Uh, he, he has foreknowledge of, of our lives. He knows who will come to Christ and who will not. Of course, he desires that all, all men uh, come to him, and, uh, and that's a possibility for all men. We, we understand that. We're, we're thankful for that. He has perfect foreknowledge of our lives, and I believe he has a perfect plan uh, for each part of our lives as well. By the way, who might make a better plan for your life or a more perfect plan for your life, the Lord or you? <laughs> uh, I, I know that you know I, I had a plan for my life. It didn't seem like a, a terrible plan, but also know that my initial plan was not God's plan, and it uh, probably prevented me from being where I was meant to be for some years, and probably prevented me from uh, not from serving where the Lord would have me to serve for some time, and uh, probably prevented me from receiving certain blessings into my life uh, for some time, because I, again, I was just kind of running my own plan, running, running my own show, calling the, my own shots, rather than looking to the Lord and, and asking him uh, to just work in my life and to guide me and lead me, help me to be uh, led of him. Aren't you glad this morning, if, if that's your testimony as well, aren't you glad this morning that we have a gracious God? Aren't you glad for that? Uh, he, he knows when we will ultimately yield ourselves to him. He knows when that will happen. He has foreknowledge, right, Rich? He knows at what point in our lives we, we might just say, okay, Lord, I'm tired of running my own life uh, and experiencing the consequences of that. He knows when that might happen in our life. And, and he's prepared to meet us right there with grace uh, and, and to begin pouring all the grace that we need into our lives and all the blessings that go along with that. Uh, Lord, help me to see this morning, uh, am I yielded to you? Uh, am I asking you to lead me and guide me uh, into your plan for my life at this time? Or am I still calling the shots, uh, running my plan for my life? Uh, Jesus says this in verse 24. He said unto his 
disciples. By the way, are you called to be a disciple of Christ? We're called to be saved people, people who've repented of sin and placed our faith in him for forgiveness and, and for salvation, and then to become his disciples, people who are yielded to him uh, in living for him. He's, he's speaking here to those who would not just be saved, but, but give themselves to him, make ourselves available to him to be used by him according to his plan uh, with all the blessings that come with that. He says, listen, uh, Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, uh, let him, number one, deny himself, and number two, take up his cross, uh, and number three, follow me. I want to consider each of those phrases just for a bit here this morning. He says, deny himself. Uh, he says, deny himself. The underlying idea here is to forget uh, or to lose sight of uh, oneself. Rich, I understand Jesus is not saying, hey, forget who you are, uh, to lose sight of who you are, where you came, all those things. No, but he, he is saying something more like, listen, uh, if you're going to be a disciple, if you're going to come as a saved person and be a disciple who is available uh, to Christ to be used according to his plan uh, for your life at this time, you're going to have to be willing to deny, uh, to lay aside uh, certain personal goals, desires, hopes, dreams that, that may not be consistent with God's plan. Now, is that always the case? Do you always just have to kind of completely just flush away every little hope and dream that you have for your life in order to take up? No, no, that's, that's, that's not the case. But what we have to be willing to do is, is say, Lord, here I am. I know that I have plans and hopes and dreams, but also know that you have a plan. And Lord, anything in, in my plan that is not consistent with your plan or anything uh, in my plan that might prevent your plan or anything uh, in my plan for my life that, that might distract me from your plan uh, for my life, would you just help me to take that uh, and put it away? Uh, car carve that up, put that away, Lord, that none of those things that I may be desired would prevent what you desire. We do well to stop and ask ourselves, uh, what is it that I really desire? Do I desire what I want more than what the Lord wants? Or is it that I really desire what God wants, how he desires to use me and my life more than anything else? That's a hard question, isn't it? That's a hard question. Uh, we do well to stop and say, Lord, search my heart. Search my heart and, and, and show me. Do I want what you want more than what I may want? And, and if the Lord begins to convict uh, and, and show you that what you really want is, is, is what you want more than what he wants, well, you can confess that, right, Rich? You, you can stop and pray, Lord, uh, help me. <laughs> Give me grace to put off those things that, that I want that are inconsistent with what you want. Uh, Lord, you strengthen me. You give me grace. You give me grace. One man says Peter had advised the Lord to spare himself and, uh, and would be ready in like case to take the advice. But Jesus tells them all they must be so far from sparing themselves uh, that they, they must deny, deny themselves. Uh, there we go. Turn over to Philippians 2, please. Uh, just real fast, turn over to Philippians 2. 
Um, is this not exactly what Jesus did when he came? Uh, when, when he chose to follow the Father's plan uh, for his ministry uh, at this point in time is, is Philippians 2. Is, is this not exactly what, what Christ did? Philippians 2, uh, beginning in verse 7. I hope these verses are familiar to you. If not, that's fine. Let's see them uh, this morning. Um, Paul, writing under inspiration to the Philippian church, says uh, here in chapter 2 and verse 7, speaking of Christ, he, he writes, uh, but, uh, and it's Christ, made himself of no reputation. He came, where'd he come from, Rich? He came from heaven, right? Uh, he's creator of all things. <laughs> he, uh, he moved it at creation together with the Father uh, and the Holy Spirit. He's God the Son, no less God than the Father or the Holy Spirit. He's God. Uh, but in, in choosing to follow the Father's plan, to come, he chose to make himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a what? A servant uh, and was made in the likeness of men. Coming as a man was a big deal. Uh, it, 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 was, it would involve all the indignities that he experienced uh, from being born up until the things that happened at the cross and, and his death, all of those things. He was made a likeness of men. And verse 8, being found in fashion as a man, what did he do? He, what did he do? He what? Humbled himself. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Rich, it would be hard to believe this morning that that's what the Lord really wanted. And, and, and we, we know in his humanity, he struggled with that, right? There in the garden, he, he prayed and, uh, and, and sweat great, great drops as of blood. Perhaps there was blood. Uh, it was, it was an incredibly difficult thing for him to come to terms in his humanity, uh, in, in his human nature, that, that he would go to the cross and, and, and bear all the sins, of, as we said, uh, all, all of the difficulty that would come with that, and, and yet he put aside any uh, concern for himself, his own agenda that he might have desired or per, per, preferred, there we go, uh, in his human nature, and humbled himself and became obedient uh, even to the death that he experienced on the cross. Are you thankful for that this morning? Are you thankful for that this morning? Lord, Lord, thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you. Has he called us? Has he called us to deny ourselves and our agendas as he denied his own self and humbled his own self uh, to take up and stay faithful to the plan of the Father. Well, he has. <laughs> Again, verse 24, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself. Rich, I know that um, my plan seemed like a good plan. And I know that as I pursued it, there were some good things that, that came along with it. Uh, and, and there were things that, that, that I enjoyed uh, and appreciated weren't necessarily bad things. But also know that when I finally got a hold of the idea that God had a plan that was not necessarily my plan, uh, and I took that plan of his up in his strength, with, with, with his grace, 
He blessed me. Amen. Have you known God's blessings in your life as you've yielded yourself to his plan for your life? Has he blessed you? Has he blessed you? And is it, are those blessings better than whatever you got from chasing your own plan? Uh, I know some people have similar testimonies to, to mine. Uh, I know that I appreciated what, what my own plan yielded in my life, but I know the blessings of God in my life, Brother Ray, they're, they're just that much better. Uh, they're that much better. But to get there, to receive, to be, become recipients of those blessings, there has to be a denial of self, a denial of self. By the way, choosing to lay aside yourself in favor of what the Lord wants doesn't always mean that you have to put off what you desired. It doesn't always mean that, but it does mean that you are prepared to put off, to throw away parts of your plan that are not consistent uh, with God's plan. It's always better and they're always blessings. Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, uh, putting the Lord first. And then he says this, uh, he says, take up his what? And take up his what? What is it? His cross. Does that mean you're going to have to literally take up a wooden cross and, uh, and, and carry it to a place of crucifixion? Uh, and, and no, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that, uh, but it does mean that denying ourselves, it may require some what in our own lives? It might require some suffering uh, in our own lives. Uh, is that true? Um, is it always just uh, happiness? Uh, has the Lord promised us a life that's filled with happiness from beginning to end with no suffering? We know better, right? Sister Raffi, we, we know better, right? There's joy available in the face of trials and difficulties uh, and pain and sorrows. By the way, uh, if, if you go all the way back to Genesis 3 and the fall, uh, weren't Adam and Eve both promised sorrows in their life as a result of their choice to enter into sin, to violate God's plan, uh, and, and, and to choose that one of the consequences of their sin in the fall would be sorrow in their lives. Let's, let's choose this morning all over again to not be surprised by sorrows in our lives, e even as believers. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're being corrected. It doesn't necessarily mean that God has withdrawn blessings from life. It, it, it does mean that there's, there's consequences for the fall and, and that we will know sorrows in our life from you know birth uh, uh, until we're home. But, uh, but also for the Christian, there's the possibility of joy in the face of sorrows and, and blessings, in the face of staying faithful, uh, in the face of sorrows. And we praise God for that this morning. Uh, we praise God for that. Uh, in order to be a disciple as Christ calls us to be disciples, well, there needs to be a willingness to deny ourselves to the extent that we would lay aside that which is inconsistent with God's plan for our lives in a willingness to endure sufferings that may come with yielding to accepting and pursuing 
God's plan for our lives. And some people say, Pastor, I just don't know if, if that seems right. If I yield myself to God's plan, I'm just not sure why he would allow suffering in, into my life if I'm yielded to him. Well, again, it, it's in part because of the, the, the curse upon all of creation. Uh, but, and, and you know this, if you've been here this year, we keep, we keep coming back to how God works through sufferings. May I ask you this this morning? What, did Christ yield to the plan of the Father? Did he? He came as a man. Uh, did he remain yielded to the plan of the Father? Did he, did he ultimately pray, Lord, not my will, but thine? He stayed yielded to the plan of the Father. Um, did he experience great suffering even though he came yielded and remain yielded to the plan of the Father? Did he experience great suffering? Church, did he do that? Was there a purpose for that? Was there a purpose for that suffering? Absolutely there was. Rich, there could be no greater purpose for the suffering that our Savior experienced, right? It was to pay the price for my sin and, and for your sin so that we could be forgiven uh, and enter into a, a restored relationship, to be redeemed, uh, enter into a relationship with God the Father, to, to not have to pay that price, that penalty for ourselves in hell throughout all of eternity. We praise God for that. There, there was an ultimate purpose in the suffering uh, of Christ and that's a suffering that he experienced that came along with entering into the plan of God the Father and staying faithful to the plan of God the Father and so I ask you this morning should we be surprised if there is suffering in our lives as we choose to deny ourselves and some of our own plans and, and choose instead to take up the Lord's plan and just be yielded. Should we be surprised if there's some suffering and sorrows and difficulties and trials along the way? Should we be? Should we be? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Jesus says that uh, if, if we would be his disciples, we need to first deny ourselves and then be willing to take up our own cross, our own suffering uh, that, that, that will come uh, it, it with, coupled with the choice to do that. It came for him that way. Uh, it, it will undoubtedly, we should expect uh, that this will be the case. And, and, and Richard could be all different kinds of suffering, right? It, it, it could be suffering and difficulties that God just uses us uh, in order to grow us, to, to prepare us for the place of service that, that he would have us to serve him in. I know that God works in trial. James 1, right? Grows, grows patience, grows us spiritually in, in all different kinds of trial. It's not, it's not always chastening. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's just God working in our lives to grow us to the point that we are usable in the way that he desires to use us. You have to ask yourself before you choose to deny yourself and, and take up uh, his cross, take up what may come along with that. Is that okay? Is it okay with you? Is it? But Ray, is it okay with you? If there's suffering that goes along with taking up with yielding yourself to God's plan for your life, if that, if that involves suffering, is that okay? Some people say it's not okay with me. Some people say it's not okay with me. Or others, it is okay, amen. 
others, others just don't really consider the price, the cost, and they're, they're, they, they grow to a point where they're happy to yield themselves to Christ. But have you got there? Are you, are you there? Are, are you happy to yield your life to Christ, to give your life to Christ? Are you? Are you? Lord, considering what he's done for us. He, Brother Ray, could he have given himself any more completely for us? Lord, help us to give ourselves completely to you. If you're not there, pray, Lord, help me. Help me just give myself to you. Lord, help me just give myself to you. Some people do that, but they, they don't know or haven't considered or just haven't, just have not really considered the way they should. This will typically involve a cost, suffering. And so when, when it comes time to pay the price, when it comes time to suffer the suffering that God will use in our lives for, for his purposes, what, what happens? We're, we're surprised by that. We shouldn't be. We, we know that God's plan for life of Christ involves great suffering. And we have verses like verse 24. It couldn't be any more clear. But nonetheless, it, sometimes we're, we're surprised when that comes. And if we're surprised, easy to get knocked off track by the suffering, right? To respond to, to suffering and difficulties with, with surprise, with anger, with frustration, uh, with discouragement. It shouldn't be the case. Jesus, Jesus told us it would be the case. And, uh, and, and he shows us in James that, that God has purposes, of course, other places as well. We shouldn't be knocked off. It shouldn't be a surprise. But sometimes we just don't consider the words of God the way we should. And so when it comes time to take up our cross to, to deal with the suffering, we're surprised, discouraged, frustrated, sometimes angry. You ever, you ever experience a trial and get angry at God? You don't have to raise your hand. But it's pretty easy to go there, right? Lord, help us. Lord, help us stand guard against that. You have purposes for every trial. Help us to... Take up the trial, take up the cross, and rejoice, knowing that you're working in it. Knowing that I, I said I'm, I'm going to deny myself and you know, all the pleasures of the world that might go along with pursuing my own agenda for my life. And instead, Lord, give myself to you, denying myself, and knowing that there will be a price to pay, cross to bear, suffering to experience for you. Lord, help us to... Rejoice knowing that you're at work in that. By the way, Brother Ray, that doesn't, it doesn't always mean that you're going to like go to the mission field and, and, and suffer all the trials of living in an unfamiliar way, in an unfamiliar culture, and eating strange food, all, all the things. It doesn't. There can be, there will be a cost, suffering, difficulties to bear no matter where we yield to Christ. Is that okay? Is that okay? Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and what? Follow who? He says me, follow me. 
One man writes, suffering saints must look unto Jesus and take from him both direction and encouragement in suffering. What do, what do you do? What do you do when there's difficulties and, and trials? And, and you know that I've given myself to the Lord and I've said, Lord, take me, use me, help me to set my agendas aside to take up your plan for my life. And, and then the trials come that you know in your mind God is working in them to prepare you and grow you and strengthen you and build you up for usability in, in that plan. What do you do when the difficulty comes? Lord, help me. Lord, help me just keep my eyes on Christ. Lord, help me to follow him. Uh, Brother Ray, part of the challenge is that we don't always know where, where the trials are leading, right? I think about um, Western New York snowstorms. You know a little bit about that sort of thing upstate New Yorkers, western New Yorkers know a lot about snow. Not quite like Alaska where they have like 29 words for different kinds of snow, but we have a lot of words for snow up there too, right? When those squalls start to come and you're out there on, on the road and, and the snow just comes. By the way, someone's saying, stop talking about snow, Pastor. It's, it's, only, it's only, what, September? Don't rush it, Pastor. Don't rush it. I understand. Illustration. Brother Ray, when the snow really starts to come down, those squalls are just pouring down. It's dark out. And um, all you can see are the taillights of the car in front of you. That's a little scary, right? That's a trial. That's a little scary. And all, all you can really do, you know, is kind of follow those taillights, right? And, and hope that they're going to lead you to a place that's not a bad place, right? And you just hope. <laughs> you hope and you, you hope. And you pray. Um, when we're in the midst of a trial, I don't, I don't always know where it's going or where it will end. But I know if I will keep my eyes on Christ and follow him just like those taillights, he's never going to lead me to a bad place. Amen? Is that true? He, he loves me. He, he's a good and righteous and loving God. He's never going to lead me to a bad place. Follow him. Rich, we can, we can just follow. Lord, take me, use me. Lord, I understand that that will involve difficulties. It will necessarily involve difficulties. Lord, when those difficulties come, help me to remain faithful to just follow you knowing that you will give me everything that I need and that you will never lead me to a bad place. Lord, thank you. Look at verse 25, please. He says, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Uh, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. I remember as a young person struggling with this verse. What does that mean? Lord, what do you mean by that? Is it okay to you have to kind of wrestle with a verse and, and try to understand it? Listen, this is, this is one of those verses where you have to kind of just look at the context, right? And, and let the context, uh, you know, put on the context of, of the passage and kind of view it through that lens. And, and now I can understand the verse with help of the Spirit of God and, and the context, uh, the context. He's saying, listen, 
you deny yourself and, and, and take up the suffering that that may involve and, uh, and you just keep your eyes upon Christ. That, that's what makes sense. That's what makes sense. He says there, there, there's a consequence for not doing that. A believer, a, a believer who chooses to continue to pursue his own agenda uh, for my life. By the way, did, has, Brother Rich, hasn't Christ redeemed me? Hasn't purchased me at the, at the cross? My life is not my life. Lord, help me to understand that. My life is not my life. It's yours. <laughs> uh, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Uh, a believer who will continue uh, to live for himself or herself, uh, her agenda, her desires, her hopes over God's hopes, no matter what they are, uh, a choice, it is a choice, to continue to prioritize our own desires over God's desires, there's a consequence for that. There, there's a loss of blessings this side of heaven, and there's a loss of reward in eternity. Not a loss of salvation, that's, that's not biblically possible, but certainly there'll be a loss of the fullness of blessing that is possible uh, in a yielded life where we're focused on Christ, living for him, and giving ourselves as fully as we possibly can to him, following him. There's a, there's a blessing uh, that is pictured for that. Look at the end of the verse. Whosoever will lose his life, setting aside our own agendas. Jesus says, for whosoever will lose his life, preferring his plan over my plan. Jesus says, for my sake. Shall what? Shall what? Find it. Find what? A, a full life, a, a more full life. Rich, a, a life filled with the Lord's blessings that come with yielding to his desires. Whosoever will save his life, living for self, uh, holding on to our own desires, no matter how they relate to God's desires, shall lose it. Not know the full blessing of a, of a rich life in Christ, but whosoever will do the opposite, put off our own priorities and agendas in favor of Christ and do that for him shall find it. Uh, a life that is full uh, and filled with blessings. One man says Jesus is touching upon total surrender of our will, our lives, and our self-interests. As we thus surrender ourselves entirely to him, he gives the fullness of life which will redound not only in this life, but on into eternity. Praise God. Praise God. Jesus goes on here, and we've read these verses already. Um, verse 26, of course, is well known to us. What, for what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's so much at stake here. There's so much at stake. A disciple of Christ who is yielded to him and who is being grown and perfected through trials, taking up the crosses that come, will be greatly used. Uh, greatly used to share the gospel. Greatly used to reach others with the way of salvation. Much is at stake here. I believe that's What's pointing to what the Lord is pointing to in verse 26? For what is a man profit if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Lord, help us. 
Verse 27 says this, the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. He came once, he is coming again, and when he does come, the Bible says here, then he shall reward every man according to his what? According to his what? Verse 27, works. Listen, I, I can lead my life the way I want for me, pursuing my agenda, doing what I want, serving how I want or not at all, uh, pursuing the career that maybe I hoped over what the Lord, I can, I can live my life with me being in charge of it, uh, serving the Lord very little or, or not serving where he desires uh, and no very little reward at his return. Or I can yield to him and, and serve him however he desires, knowing that that will have a cost, knowing that there will be suffering, but that God's at work in that. And if I'll just keep my eyes upon him, he'll get me through all the way home, all the way to his return, when there will be rewards for that kind of yielded service. Rich, I've said many times over the years, we'll, we're going to appreciate those rewards in eternity but I'm gonna appreciate them most because the fact of those rewards will bring honor and glory to my Savior who made those rewards possible. I can set aside my own agenda and live for Christ because of Christ. He makes that possible. He makes it possible to know that grace in my life to pursue his agenda, setting aside my own. The rewards that will come with the service that is typically yielded by a life of submission to Christ will bring honor and glory to Christ, the one who made that possible. This will be known, um, I believe, at, at the, the, the judgment seat of Christ and in his millennial reign to follow. These things will bring, these rewards will bring honor and glory to him. I believe it's his millennium that is alluded to, his kingdom, his millennial kingdom, it's alluded to here in verse 28. And so again, a, 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 the idea here where if you look at a verse that is difficult in context and let the context sort of be the lens through which you, uh, or one of the lenses through which you, you work to understand a verse, you see this, verse 28, Jesus says, verily, truly I say unto you that some standing here shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming uh, in his kingdom. And then right on the heels of that, in the next chapter, we'll see this Lord willing next week, uh, he's transfigured. Uh, they have a glimpse of the glorified Christ uh, as he will be seen and, and known uh, in his millennial kingdom. Uh, Brother Ray, he will, he will convey rewards to his people. And those rewards will be consistent with our works, with our works. There will be works in our lives, service that is proportional to our yieldedness. Those works will be works that are rewarded and those rewards will bring him honor and glory. In order to maximize the end of that equation, I need to get very yielded on the other end of that equation and say, Lord, take my life, use me, push out things that would distract me from giving myself more fully to you. Lord, give me grace to do that. 
and use me. When the suffering and trials come, help me to know that you're working, you're growing me to make me more usable for more service and that more rewards will follow and that that will bring you honor and glory in eternity. Lord, help me be yielded to you. Let's stop there and pray. Father, thank you this morning for your words. Lord, it is an unthinkable privilege to me that I can know you, that I could be saved. I know it's possible this morning only because of the yieldedness of my Savior. He was willing to set aside any agenda that he might have had and, and prefer yours instead. And Lord, he's called us to do the same. Father, I understand this morning that nothing else makes sense. And so I pray this morning that you burden us, convict us, give us a desire and the grace and strength to deny ourselves, take up the cross that we may need to take up and follow Christ wherever he may lead. Lord, I understand this morning nothing else makes sense. Lord, we face fears. We fear what that may involve. We fear what crosses we may need to bear. We fear suffering, trials, difficulties. I pray this morning, Lord, that you help us to be honest with you about that. Lord, if there's fears that prevent us from giving ourselves more fully to you, I pray that we take a moment and be honest with you about that. Lord, that we give those fears over to you and say, Father, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what this may involve in, in my life. Lord, I'm afraid of what I may suffer. Lord, would you give me faith that would crowd out those fears that I might give myself more fully to you? Lord, would you help me to follow my Savior wherever he may lead. Lord, help me to understand if I'm going to follow him, I'll need to stop following my own heart, my own desires. I'll give you a moment to pray and we'll close. Lord, I thank you this morning that you have pictured great blessings for those who would deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow you. Lord, those of us who are willing to lose our own lives, to lose our own agendas for your sake, find great blessings. Lord, thank you so much for the blessings that you do pour into our lives. I certainly don't deserve that, but I am, I am grateful for your grace and your mercy. Lord, I thank you for all of your provision for each person in our church, uh, for each family, for our church corporately. 
you are, you have shown yourself to be a good and gracious God and a faithful one, and we are grateful. Lord, I pray today that you help us to see the blessings in our lives as we yield ourselves to you, that we thank you for them and that we give you praise, honor, and glory for them, that we worship you for them. Well, I pray if there's anyone here in this assembly who's still struggling to yield to you, that you just remind us of your love. You'll not lead us to a bad place ever. Lord, that you remind us that you, your plan is the one that is always the best plan, the one which will ultimately be the most rewarding to us and for you. Lord, I do love you this morning. I thank you so much for the privilege to preach these words. Thank you for the privilege to know you and to serve you. And Lord, to know your blessings at work in this church. Father, we thank you again for your many blessings in each family. The Sylvia family, we lift them up now again this morning and pray that you'll just continue to bless. You're at work in those trials, and we thank you for that. Father, I pray all of this now in Jesus' name. Amen. If you look up here, please, thank you so much.